Say you work in the most white-collar place on Earth, and as you're viewing these pictures, I want you to just ask yourself, if your boss saw these pictures of you, would you still have a job? That's, that's the question I want you to ask yourself, because honestly, he should. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it, and if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber, and I am Jesse Gruber, and today we hope you will seize, seize the, the faith. faith. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast. We're on episode 84, and we welcome you in to the 80s. Cowabunga, oh, dude. So we can do it together. Uh, oh, well, I didn't know that. Too late. Cowbunga. Cowbunga dudes. You didn't you just jumped in with your cowbunga. Just let me I was gonna get us to it. And Sheila's <laughs> Wait. Wait. No, I mixed. You definitely yeah, sure no. did. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I have Steve Irwin on the on my mind. I don't uh wanna you know what? Let me you talk. Let me see if I can pull up this really would you like me to talk about Steve Irwin? Cause no, no, no. Just, just great, just, great guy. I guess he's kind of crazy. Just talk about, just talk about something here. I want right, to see if I can crazy. find this. Tonight we're going to do a news roundup for you. Um, we are looking forward news to having a special up. guest to talk Come about topics we really would like, but that will be in the future. Tonight we're going to do a news roundup. News roundup. Uh, we're going to hit some <laughs> stories like woke Hollywood. We have a update on some ongoing book issues and public nudity issues and evil things in public schools, which is not hard to talk about. That's pretty simple. We all know that's going on. And we're also going to deal with the student loan forgiveness question that I we've we've gotten some memes on our socials and they they did pretty well and got some interesting interactions, but uh I think it's gonna be good to deal with that directly from uh what we know about God. So Bring on the memes. Oh yeah. Did you find your little Steve Irwin I d- thing? I did. It's Steve Irwin on being a father. This club is so so adorable. Are we going to listen to it? Yeah, why not? Never, you know what? I never wanted to be a dad. I couldn't really give a rip. And now I am the proudest father, i got to tell you. <laughs> I thought you were going to be a boy. <laughs> I, I just, I, I can't dwell on her for too long or I start bawling my eyes out. When I go into the field, mate, I got a photo. I got a photo of me and my daughter, and I can just sit there and just start crying, just looking at her. Who would have thought someone as ugly as me could bring into the world so something so beautiful, such a treasure? <laughs> and so, you know, I've been asked about philosophies of fatherhood and you know how to be a good parent and all that. And to tell you the truth, mate, all I do is just treat her exactly how I would want to be treated. She wants to have chocolate. Mum's not looking. He have the whole block. <laughs> I never. It's so stinking cute, isn't it? Isn't that adorable? It really is. Aren't you glad that I played that? Yeah, because I tear up all the time when I think about my kids. I know. You guys got to see it. He actually like tears up in the middle of the interview. It's yeah, it's funny because it's supposed to be this crazy adventuring Australian bloke. He's out here in the field. He's picking up snakes, crocodiles, and patting them on the buttocks and goes cowabunga, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's been your Steve Irwin for the day, and well, that's probably enough Steve Irwin to catch you up for the rest of the month, and it's early in September here, so we're just going to go ahead and go yeah. with that. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to lead off with some uh, New Jersey goings-ons. Um, I believe this is a sub-stack, if I have that correct, Jesse, a sub-stack story from a person who reports and writes on Substack. I uh, believe that they are called their channel their Substack is called Chaos and Control. Yes, it is Chaos and Control. Substack. Yeah, look at that. Posted by Math Goddess. Math Goddess. Apparently she's really good at math. Uh, I guess. Or she kills you with math. I don't oh. know. It's one or the other. Uh, but her this is a uh, this <laughs> this article's entitled School Nudity, Porn and Erotica, which you know what? School shouldn't be in this title at all, but it is. So unfortunately, <laughs> subtitle and how I was almost banned from Substack. Yeah, this is an interesting story. This is this is where reality and bumps up in like onla- online censorship kind of bumps up <laughs> into the reality of what we're allowing go forward in in public education kind of kind of bumps up here. Uh, so, so Jesse, why don't you develop this story a little bit for us? Yeah. So um, basically, in New Jersey, education is a scam. And um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but no. Did so, you say federally across the country? Or you said New Jersey? Uh, oh, 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 sorry. Oh, Carry on. Sorry, but go I, ahead. I misspoke. My yes. apologies. <laughs> um, no, but it, it, our our state we spend we spend one of the most 
highest dollar amounts. We spend over $26,000 per student per year, not including transportation costs. It's funny. I pay less than that to send my kids to private school for all three. Yeah. I like, pay way less Way than less that. than that. To homeschool my kids. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like every other source of education is much cheaper. You know what? Anyway, go ahead. And both of our children are destined statistically to have higher educational outcomes, even on public school standardized tests. Isn't that amazing? Well, None of my children are at grade level, so they're all above in all the standardized oh, tests. They oh, just I, I had no idea where that was going. Anyway. They're way above. They're, yes. <laughs> I think my daughter just graduated uh, college, actually, in uh, in seventh grade. So go ahead. Probably. <laughs> Probably. But anyway, so um, one of the things that this story highlights is uh, a lot of the terrible, terrible, terrible... Um, overtly LGBTQ sexual books that are available in public school libraries for uh, preteen and teenage students to partake in of their own accord without parental anything. So um, the the irony of this story, though, right, is that she reported this. She reported this story with without censoring some of the books that they have available for these teens. So this book in particular. Uh, let's see. What is it called? It is called uh, Gender Queer is the name of the book, and it's a comic style book. So we're talking about um, Wayne District, Ramsey District, North Hunterdon, uh, Voorhees. The parents of in those districts actually tried to remove the books from the the libraries, the libraries. schools, right? And they lost actually, and then they. <laughs> the librarians, <laughs> vicious though they are, actually declared it a, a win against censorship um, that they still have this book on the shelves. And so the irony here is that the, the poor page, goddess is just you know trying to write an article. She's just writing bring, an article. She's trying to draw attention to the reality that well, the content of this book. This is what you're putting in the book. Yeah, she throws up some pictures from the book. Hey, this is what's in the book. She's got five thousand over five thousand subscribers to this Substack channel, and she gets an email from Substack saying that her article violated um, their terms of service for the categories of nudity, porn, and erotica. As a result. This is quoting Substack. As a result of this violation, your publication has been removed. Um, she sent, She then edited and censored the pictures and reposted it, um, and they, they brought it back online. But isn't it ironic? Substack, <laughs> Substack has a better moral compass than the librarians in our education system. Ironically, Substack, as a platform to communicate ideas and speech and you oh, know, free speech content free that's speech all and content and all this stuff yeah ironically they're the ones cracking down on this but the librarians in your public high schools say no that's not that's not pornography that's not erotica there's no problem with that it's self-discovery it's fine it's normal honestly just reading the words is really really horrible i mean i've seen i i this this book is this book is an affront to what children's literature could possibly ever be. Like, it's just an assault on it. And the fact that we have to have a conversation about it not being in a library accessible for children the ages of 12 to 16 is ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's disgusting. So we wanted to open up today's episode with a absolutely depraved, disgusting thing. For you and to think you about. know what? We just want to say, I just want to say, I'm thankful that Substack had the good sense uh, to, you know, censor something that was obviously inappropriate. And <clears throat> if only our public education system would realize that as well. Hmm. Yeah. If only that was, you know, even just the first step is just recognizing that. And, uh, you know, if for more information on what the public education system rubric for um, sexual education is, you can go back and listen to the very, 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 very first episode of the Carby Fidea podcast in which we ex- extensively went through their rubrics and metrics for the new, well, it was new back then, 
now, now it's implemented. Just, now it's just old hat. <laughs> uh, education, the, the standards for sexual education in health for the New Jersey public school system. They want to teach your teenage daughters. Never mind. I can't. I, I shouldn't be flipping about inappropriate it sexual things. Terrible. It's just what they want to do. That's that's literally what they not not yeah not not just teenage actually. No, if we don't remember correctly, they went younger than that. These the are not opt in programs. They are opt out programs. Yeah. Yep. So this is what's going out in your district. So everybody, anyone in New Jersey that listens, make sure you pay attention. And also anyone who's living and breathing inside of the Western world, it's probably going on inside of your school district. So wake up. Probably should talk a little, Jacob. Sorry, I got apologetics version stuck in my head. Yeah. Yes, you yeah, Isn't that a throwback? Anybody? Shout Wake out. Up. No, I, I, I got you. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, shout out. <laughs> I didn't yes, know if you were going to keep going or if you needed me. Apologetics. Uh, uh, just, for you, just for those that don't know, Apologetics was a parody <laughs> a parody cover band uh, that did Christian versions of parodies. And ironically, little known fact, Weird Al Yankovic's main drummer on his parody songs uh, his name was is Jim Schwartz. His his nickname was Bermuda, so it was Jim Bermuda Schwartz. It's kind of funny because Bermuda Schwartz is his name. Uh, he also was the drummer for Apologetics. Oh no way! Yeah, that crazy. He had a thing for parodies, didn't he? Yeah, he had a thing for parodies and apparently, you know, songs that were funnier than the originals. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, little known fact. Anyway, Apologetics. Go check them out. They uh, they they're that. Jesus, this point they're just a classic. Are they still around? Well, their music that they did make still is. Well, yeah, of course. I just yeah. know they're still actively making music. It was kind of very entertaining watching my daughter discover Weird Al Yankovic uh, just this past week. Dad, look at this video. It's like, honey, I know all the words to that song. <laughs> oh, wow. Their last album was in 2020. Oh, please. Look at them go. I mean, uh, you know, that's wow. Fun. Good for them. Anywho, that's our first story. Please watch out for this public education system. Just please... Please, please, please engage with whatever your child's doing. Be a parent. Just please be a parent, an engaged parent. Take the phone. Please take the phone away because TikTok is poisoning a nation of children. Please. I got to tell you a terrible story when we're done. Okay, please. Uh, that's great. That he's excited about that. Anyway, next <laughs> next topic. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll say that the next oh. time. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I, I, like I wanted to... you to pick. I didn't want to pick, and then you no, get no, mad at no, me no. for picking the wrong no, one. No, you're doing fine. The next topic I'd like to deal with, which we made some memes about, was Joe Biden's executive order to offer uh, up to $10,000. No, not that story. I didn't want to do that story next. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> up to $10,000 for student, lo- de- student debt loan debt relief. I can, I, I, words are difficult for me. He's forgiving student loans through the executive order branch under the Emergency Act given the pa- power given to him because of COVID, which last time I checked... Let, no, me just, let me just no tell you something about emergency. this. <laughs> let me just tell you something about this action. It is the biggest executive action of any president of this great nation. Bigger than any of mine. That's impressive. I didn't know that you'd ever say something was bigger than anything that you had done, Mr. Mr. President. Well, it is, it is the biggest until 2024. Oh, no. Where you? we will win again. And there will be so much winning you're going to say, no, stop, please. No more winning. We're just going to keep winning. That's a lot of winning, Mr. President. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that you, uh, you want to win. And um, I, uh, I wish you luck. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Cow a bunga. No, stop <laughs> it. All right. Here's the thing. So we made some memes highlighting what was I found to be just an absolute it, you know what it was it was very i was just very sad there was an argument being made uh particularly particularly against conservatives because many of them tend to hold a christian worldview certainly not all but many that jesus had forgiven debts and that we should forgive student loan debts debts thusly it should be supported by anyone who is a christian because jesus had forgiven debts um and so we made a couple of memes we had a lot of fun on the socials got this weird troll guy who kept posting comments and then we would respond in very rational logical ways and then he would delete the comments so it kind of was just weird i'm like dude what are you doing why are you even here <laughs> but anyway it's always awkward you always end up looking like you're talking to yourself i'm and... like can you just like how about you just engage with an argument just any argument just pick pick any any old argument 
nope, didn't want to do any of that. So, anywho, that's neither here nor there. The real thing of it is, is this this is such a broke, I mean, like a broke argument to make. Um, Jesus certainly forgives. Amen. Yes. Amen. Jesus forgives. But when we're talking about debt, we, we are totally misusing this word forgiveness and not understanding at all. Because here's the reality of a debt. Someone always pays. Someone always pays a debt. Now, you could say, well, a debt could be forgiven. Right. Certainly. If a debt is forgiven, the person against whom you have, you have the debt can relinquish their rights to collect on a debt. That is, that is how you have a forgiven debt. Right? Right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, essentially, that person absorbs Correct. your debt. So in many ways, what's really happening is they're paying. They're taking right. on your debt. They're taking the loss. They're eating the loss. So there is always loss. Now, when we're talking about the student loan forgiveness program, what we obviously need to say is that uh, the American the American populace will eat the debt. That's what's going to happen. If any money that's printed by the government will be collected in in receipts uh, through taxes, uh, or or will simply be printed, which will just you know decrease the value uh, of the unit of currency in the United States, the dollar. So one way or the other, the American populace will eat this forgiveness of debt. Now, we are not the ones who actually you know hold the debt or are given the debt. So ironically. The, the sick part of this is those debts, the people that owe those debts to somewhere, the people that can forgive them are the institutions that hold the notes for those, those loans. They will get their money. <laughs> Here's the problem. We they, always get our money. <laughs> they will get their money. And so this, is, this cannot possibly be loan forgiveness, right? They would have to assume the loss. They would be the ones paying for the debt since they would they would forfeit their right to collect thus they would be the ones uh, in essence paying for the debt but they will be paid and so the only one that's actually paying for the debt is is every u.s citizen is paying paying for the, the loans so it's actually not debt forgiveness just just to be clear it's, it's very simple actually to think it through but that's not a big deal to me. Like, I, no, it's a big deal. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. It's there is no accountability in our world, which is very sad. But but that's just the reality. There is no accountability for making poor choices. However, the disturbing thing was this Christian argument: Jesus forgave debt, so we should forgive student debt. That's a, such a such a horrible argument that diminishes Christ and the salvific work that he did. So it also uh, fundamentally misunderstands the nature of. The debt we owed Christ and the debt oh, you just, owe for your education. It misunderstands the gospel holistically. Just every, almost every part of it in reality. It's very sad. Um, so in what ways does it, does it miss that? Let's, let's, be, let's be simplistic. As well, we Justin, can. let's take a deep dive into this. Yes. On here, episode 84. <laughs> Our debt, who is, who is uh, first of all, what is the debt that Jesus uh, forgives? Jesse, the debt of our sins mm. against the Lord. Mm. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, so he forgives sin, the 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 debt of sin that is unholiness uh, to God's holiness. Yeah, that's exactly what he forgives. And so, <clears throat> when he forgives that debt, some he's essentially going to eat the cost. Right, that's the idea uh, of the person that holds a note. The sin is only against God. God has to eat the cost. Right. Right. So in doing that, he actually pays for the debt, which is a very unique, a very unique proposition. He eats the cost by paying the debt. And so in paying the debt, he, he gives himself shedding his blood, giving his life, his sinless life for our unrighteousness, his righteousness for our unrighteousness. Right. Yes. So he doesn't necessarily forgive the debt in any way like we're forgetting. Not even it's there's literally no way in which that it is comparable to what we're talking about with student loan forgiveness. He actually pays the debt himself, taking sin onto himself. It would be the analogous situation would be 
since Joe, since President Biden is the one that's offering the forgiveness, it would be like President Biden paying the debts himself out of his own pockets. It would technically be like the banks paying the debts. It would be the the loan hold, the, the loan holders, right? Well, he could, no, he he could pay the loan, right? But technically, our again, our sin debt is against is against God. God holds our debt, like it, we owe Him for our offenses. It's our sin; He holds it. So technically, the people that held it would actually have to pay it. Yeah, and ironically, in this situation, the banks weren't ever, you know, willing to, uh, you know, ever w- willing to do that. No, no, it turns out that's not how uh, banks make money. <laughs> that's not how loans work. That's <laughs> not how. Yes, the whole idea about right, this but, was that when we so, give it to you, you so pay in that, it back. In that sense, the bank's not actually the one offering forgiveness. It's literally just Joe Biden. Right. That's the point. There is actually no forgiveness happening. That's what I'm saying. There is no debt forgiveness. <sighs> There's debt payment. We were just trying to find the analogous situation. And you didn't find it. <laughs> Probably because I guess it just doesn't exist. I just gave it to you. <laughs> Forget you, man. They're not offering forgiveness, so it doesn't exist. Right. The, the, but the analogous would, then, would have to be them offering and giving forgiveness, but they're not doing that. So in essence, this has nothing to do with forgiveness. This well, has everything to do. Well, God is the bank and Jesus is Joe Biden. <laughs> Wait a second. This is going way <laughs> Which off is the exactly what the liberals say when they make this argument. <laughs> We've gone completely off of the rails. Additionally, here's another point I'm of contention. I'm glad that we have extensive notes on this. I would like to give you another point of contention here. Another point of contention is with, this. With me or with the argument? No, no, no. Just, just the idea of the student loan program. The student loan program is not really going to do nearly enough to attack whatever student loan someone has gotten in underwater basket weaving. It's just not a, it's not a, it wasn't a good degree. Now they can't pay it back. Because it's a dangerous profession. Because they're a barista or whatever, so they can't. They can't. It is really underwater basket. Underwater basket weaving is very dangerous. Um, so anyway, <laughs> one second you weaving baskets, the next second it's around your neck. The next the second, second you're, you're dead. dead. It's just dead. <laughs> so it, it, here, my apologies <laughs> if any of you have lost loved ones to underwater basket okay. weaving. So just have to leave room to be sensitive. The the issue with the loan is that it's not actually going to solve, you know, someone who has maybe sixty to eighty thousand dollars of student loans. It's it's going to give a modest, moderate uh, amount of some sort of consolation to them. Uh, but here's another really clear reality: it doesn't help anyone that's got to have student loan debt next year, and it hasn't helped anyone who had student loan debt that paid it off in the past. So it doesn't actually. No, I heard that wasn't there a program was wasn't there a only if you paid during COVID. If you paid off your student loan during COVID, you can get that money back. Oh, so it's like a scam because they paused <laughs> all the interest payments on them. Yeah, most people didn't pay their money back during student. You know why? Because someone was saying, "Oh, I'm going to forgive student loan." <laughs> because because why would fiscal responsibility start then? <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. It certainly did not. No. Um, but it's it's important to acknowledge this. It's not we're not forgiving all of student loans. We're giving some money towards student loans, and in doing, and even in doing that, horribly, wrongly, with not forgiving anything, even in doing that, you can't compare this to what Jesus has done, because Jesus did not just forgive a current debt; he forgave all past debt for those who walked in faith towards the Messiah, and he covers all future debt that will ever be committed for those who are covered by the atoning work of Christ. It is a full and complete payment and full and complete forgiveness. And so it is nothing. It is not even in the same kind of category because it's, um, you know, it's not actually government manipulation. It's uh, it's genuine truth bearing real life forgiveness and payment atoning. So thank Jesus that that's true and I'm just concerned for the state of Christianity because I saw a lot of, well, at least what I would say tacitly Christians or formerly Christians in some ways making this argument. And it is a horrible, horrible argument. And and I don't know if it goes to speaking of the fact that we just don't teach well in churches anymore or that people, I don't know, they go to church and 
I don't know. Do they, do they watch sports on their phone? I don't know what they're doing. Like, or what are we? We're missing something big time because this is basic soteriology stuff here. Like, real basic. Like, think for two seconds. Just don't don't hit the tweet button. Don't hit the send. Don't hit the reply. Just think for half a second. Goodness gracious. Well, you know, when you got people getting up on the White House TV and saying, God gave you two arms, one for the flu vaccine and one for the COVID vaccine, it's, you know, you really shouldn't wonder where people are getting their theology. Yeah. It's Forgot that happened. Well, that wasn't even, that, that was just a freebie, guys. That was a freebie <sighs> on this news roundup. Man. It's just, you know, just got to really, we really do need to have our ears open to the cultural manipulation of Christ. We, we must be ready to give uh, an answer, a reason for the hope that's within us. It, aside from the fact that when you make that analogy, just realize that in that analogy, the government, the federal government is God. Like when you make the analogy, Jesus forgave debt, so we should forgive student debt. Yes, because what? You think the federal government is God? No, heavens no. That's a horrible analogy. <laughs> Please, Lord, no. Oh, I'm just saying. Judgment will fall. Ter- tarry not, Lord. Tarry not. <laughs> please, please come soon. All right. Now we'll get to talk about gay stuff again. <clears throat> Next that is one. Just not how you have to intro any section on this outline. <laughs> have you guys seen? Have you guys seen our new? This is not in the notes. <laughs> What do you mean? Yes, it is. It's right there. Where? Biden's new monkeypox coordinator. It's oh, you just right added there. that. Just Blue go ahead. Honky. I did go not. Ahead. It's been there go this whole dang time. Just do it. This is what happens when I try to take lead in segues and transitions. I'm excited. Let's talk about more gay things. All right. Well, coming up for you guys. Have you guys seen? Have you guys seen uh, our new uh, monkeypox coordinator? First of all, if you want a disturbing look into Sorry, Monkey Pox, Deputy Monkeypox Coordinator. If you'd like a disturbing look into Monkeypox, you can go back and listen to our episode that we did on the Monkeypox, and it will at least give you a really good understanding of what Monkeypox is, how it's transmitted, and also um, you're probably an insight into uh, LGBTQIA plus culture that you did you just were not aware of. So yes, and uh, once you hear it, you can't unhear it. So yeah, congratulations, you, you'll be informed and also regretting. So. Jesse, talk about Mr. Dimitri Daskalakis. 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 He is very gay. So, ironically, uh, so I'm I'm on Breitbart.com. We're okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just We're looking at some pictures. Picture. So um, they had linked all of these Instagram pictures into this thread, but unfortunately, after they posted this. He done went and made his account private. Yeah, so lots of Instagram content isn't there, but guess what is? Boy, all of the Twitter content. Twitter. Can't unrace the internet. You really can't. Um, yeah, so I, I'm I'm concerned about whether or not we should actually post this link in the comp, in the uh, description. You know, we're, no, we're definitely posting the link. Click on it. You've been warned now. You've don't, been warned. You don't have to click on this link. The, the link about Breitbart's, from Breitbart about the... the Deputy Monkeypox Coordinator Dimitri Daskalakis. You don't have to click on it, but if you want to understand what we're saying, here's my thing. You would it it, it has some relative makes some relative sense to have a doctor a doctor who is uh, a homosexual uh, coordinating monkeypox because it is spreading in at a almost ninety eight point nine percent rate in the homosexual community. It would make it does have some level of make make some level of sense. And I got to what my my concern is, that's not the most disturbing part. My my what I'm what I'm deeply concerned about is that we have appointed someone who seems to be generally a sexual Satanist into the government, into a government. That That's my big concern. It's 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 a it's a big concern. It's not it's not so much that you've made a person who is a doctor, a homosexual doctor in charge of a disease that is spreading predominantly, almost exclusively, you know, Barring fact check completely exclusively inside of homosexual communities or someone a homosexual person has interacted with. It's that he has pentagrams everywhere, like in his leather, on his shirts, in a tattoo on his chest. Everywhere there is a pentagram. And I I mean, no, let's not do that. Let's just not do that. That's 
Like there's <laughs> a stupid picture. <laughs> there's a bridge too far. Here's here's the thing. As you go, as you click on the link in bio, because I know you all not bio in the description in the show notes. In the show notes of this show, because I know you all read them diligently. Um, I just want you to ask this question. I, I want you to think about this hypothetical, right? Say you worked for the most white collar place on earth, right? The White House. That was, that was supposed to be a joke. Say you worked in the most white collar place on earth. And as you're viewing these pictures, I want you to just ask yourself, if your boss saw these pictures of you, would you still have a job? That's, that's the question I want you to ask yourself. Because, like, honestly, he shouldn't. He just shouldn't. There are some, you know, maybe blue collar professions, you know, like strippers or prostitutes Maybe some like janitor at a Satanist temple. Yeah, the Satanist janitors. Do you think that they incinerate all of the trash there? <laughs> anyway, oh. um, and the uh, thermostat on a uh, household uh, household furnace does that normally go to thirty thousand degrees, right? We measure it in kelvins. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just want you to think about that, and just think about how the the man who holds highest office in our nation, the United States of America, um, has appointed this gentleman in spite of these pictures, and boy, did he try to hide them, but man, the internet just does not forget. I am looking at a picture of him at some type of rave posing next to somebody with a dog face mask muzzle thing on him. I don't, I'm just, man, I, there's a lot of confusion that I have about what I'm seeing. I mean, I know fanny packs kind of came back, but let, we all know they really didn't. But it's like there's so many in people in these pictures wearing fanny packs. Is that big? I, I, that, that would be an interesting question. I don't know. If, is that big in the in the LGBTQIA plus community? Is that like a thing? I, I, man, I couldn't tell you. But you see this one right here? This is the concerning tattoo, right? You see that? This one right there? Yeah, I feel yeah. that's concerning. Yeah, I you mean, know, also this <coughs> weird demon-y-looking guy on his belly button. I mean, additionally, if you're going to be a gay man with, like, full body art, maybe just, like, clean it up, buddy. Shave it up, bro. Like, come on, dude. He don't care, man. I guess not, but it really ruins the tattoo. I don't even He's know what's happening there. He's a monkey pox I think it, it's a Buddha with two hands out, right? No, it's not a Buddha. It's like some anime guy. No, it's two hands up. It's like a... Are you saying that's a... You're saying what? I have never, ever, 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 <coughs> ever seen a Buddha look anything like You're right. This. It actually looks far more demonic than a Buddha. Yeah. Yep. Okay. We're going to move on from this story. Th- this is what's happening in our government. Yay. <laughs> Again, I... Look, look, here's the thing. I would love to have a conversation and, you know, offer the reason for the hope that that's within me if I was talking to you personally. If you're going to take a position in the government and you choose to be homosexual, I, I, I hope for your repentance and, and I hope for salvation for you before God. I really do. I, I'm not bigoted towards you being in government as a homosexual. But the Satanist stuff is really not good. It's just not good. It's not a... I mean, the homosexual stuff also. No, that's a sin. They're both <coughs> sins, but we're about to cover a verse this week at church in Exodus chapter 22. Oh, man. That explicitly says <laughs> something very clearly about like sorceresses and stuff, and uh, the pentagram. Well, we don't. I mean, he's, as far as we know, he still identifies as a man. He's not a sorceress. Well, I mean, the the gen. Well, we we will talk about it Sunday. It'll be good. But <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, it's not good. It's just not good. <laughs> you know, with the suit on and that kind of weird mustache he's got, it just looks like a doctor. I still wouldn't let examine me. <laughs> Definitely don't let them examine you. We've got to get off of this story. We can't keep going on this story. Oh, click on the... You know what? Treat yourself. Go ahead. Click on those images. Know what we're talking about. And then just... You have to ask a question. Like, do you think... Do you think Joe Biden made this choice? Or do we... Can we just all admit that Klaus Schwab is running the world? I I don't know. Like, at some point, we have to admit. I don't even know, Joe... The first time Joe Biden met this guy is when they were like, uh, Mr. President? No, Mr. President, up here. Yes, there you go. This here, this is the doctor that's going to be heading uh, the, the, the monkeypox coordination. Uh, okay. That's the first time Joe Biden met this guy. Anyway, all right, moving on from the story. He's like, well, where's all of his clothes? 
<laughs> no, he probably <laughs> no. He had a suit on for the meeting. That's what for you the think. Announcement. He didn't come in his pentagram leather, leather back strap thing. She's sweet. <sighs> All right. Finally, to conclude this, uh, <laughs> to conclude our our time here, I want to rant and rave and point out some very interesting cultural moves in the space of the cinema. In the cinematic space, if you will. So, you may remember that, geez, going on back in January, December, I believe, is when uh, we knew we, we, had some, we had some images released, some information released, that one of the most controversial shows in the past three weeks <laughs> was going to come out. And that's when... About the beginning of the year when Amazon showed us that Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, 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 was going to be released. And it was going to be the most epic, epic to end all epics ever. We're talking about a show that between buying the rights and the production has approached near billion. I mean, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. But... Most recently, it's received outrage because people don't like it. It's people don't like it. Now, Jesse has seen, but I have not seen. Um, but I could have told you that this was, show was going to have issues the moment it was not made about making a great Lord of the Rings movie, but made about the policy of die. That is diversity, inclusion, and equity. As soon as die, sometimes called DEI, but when you spell it the right way, it spells die. Diversity, inclusion, and equity was brought to the forefront as Amazon announced that they would indeed make this the most diverse depiction of Middle Earth ever. You knew that immediately what mattered less to them was making a good Lord of the Rings movie with whatever the best actor's ethnicity was, was not the concern. What Making a good Lord of the Rings product would be, would be, hey, who is the best actor for this role? As soon as it became about well, first we have to have a diversity, right? Then we'll choose the actor. As soon as that became your focus, you automatically were not concerned about making the best Lord of the Rings product ever. That's true across the board no matter what. Whether you're saying we need to hire more uh, whatever, fill in the blank, um, diverse diversity quotient you're using. Uh, airplane pilots. Doctors. Cameramen. Pastors. Pastors. Oh. <laughs> oh, Matt. Go back and listen to that. Oh. That was a good episode. Matt Chandler episode was a good episode. I still haven't heard anyone else uh, highlight the take that we had on the Matt Chandler episode. Because uh, we're geniuses. No, it's just because I think we've been thinking about this so long and, and for so much that we see these things a little. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> as soon as you do that, you change what your measurement is. And your measurement is... Uh, has nothing to do with merit. There's the the merit of someone at a certain skill, position, or level, or role. Doesn't matter if what you're actually measuring is not merit, but diversity, inclusion, and equity. Now, that's fine if what you know going into something is that what you'll be producing is a die product, diversity, inclusion, and equity product. But if what you're intending to do is make the best of something, then it doesn't matter if a person, uh, if, if a Asian person is the best at it. It doesn't matter if a uh, African-American lesbian is the best at it. It doesn't matter, right? If you're producing the best, you want the best. But when that's not your goal, don't be surprised when what you put out then isn't the best. The reality of it is, is that some of the best actors in the movie uh, are probably not even white actors. So they're probably very diverse. Um, you know, some of them could be Italian or English or Polish or Russian or, I'm sorry, the non-white actors, not the, <laughs> not, I didn't mean, I'm sorry. I was, I didn't mean I'm to, like, wait a second. He's listing all predominantly white countries. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I just didn't mean to be diverse though. That's my bad. I, I meant diverse, like just not white. Now they could be the best actors in the movie. The problem is when you've highlighted them, it's a show, a show, uh, when you've highlighted the show as a diverse show, the thing people are going to be looking for is the diversity. That it's taken center stage now. 
In fact, it's overshadowed any actual uh, quality production that you have. You've literally overcast it. Now, I'm going to submit. (laughs) This is going to be interesting. I'm going to submit to you, Jesse, that had Terminal List, which is also made by Amazon, come out (laughs) early enough before they focused on diversity in Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, they would have completely rebranded the Rings of Power. And I don't think so, but okay. I think they would have because what we have now is what's called data. And data is important, particularly for people in medias. So let's take a very recent diversity, inclusion, and equity production. Namely, one movie by Disney known as Lightyear. Okay. Okay. So if we look at Lightyear, we know that this movie centered on the D.I.E. branding. In fact, it was made uh, in direct opposition. <laughs> it was made so in direct opposition to Florida's policy that parents should actually be parents and school teachers shouldn't be educating small children in any way about anything sexual. So Lightyear. We're dis- gonna <laughs> show them. <laughs> So Disney pushed back hard, and they said that they would be inserting into Lightyear uh, a scene, well, really several scenes, that depict a lifelong romance, a lifelong lesbian relationship. Where did the child come from? We don't exactly know. But anyway, (laughs) that's neither here nor there. It's a lifelong uh, lesbian relationship throughout the movie, and it was an integral part of the movie involving also a kiss. And that was their goal. That was their goal with Lightyear. Uh, so Lightyear opened up uh, to an opening weekend uh, of $50,577,000. Wow, well, Justin, that's a lot of money. It, it really is a lot of money. Um, but it really, really wasn't in comparison to major blockbuster uh, movies. Uh, and and this was a bit of a flop, actually, for opening weekend. And immediately, the the... The lines came out to defend Lightyear. Well, it is the fifth movie in the series, the the Toy Story franchise, and it's probably a little bit of a little bit of series fatigue. So people are just tired of of that. Um, totally ignoring that Toy Story four, like made <laughs> so much money. Uh, regardless, um, you know it's it's series fatigue. Uh, additionally, you know, this was like one of the big, real big blockbusters to come out, you know, now that we're having their, our first normal summer without COVID. So, you know, people were still hesitant to get to get back into the theater. Um, and that, that these were these were the arguments uh, for it. Um, and then and then they had a real problem <laughs> because just a few weeks later, there was another CGI animated children's movie that came out and it happened to be the fifth movie in that movie's franchise and it destroyed Lightyear's numbers. I mean destroyed. Would you like to know how bad that destroyed them, Jesse? Yeah. Oh, that was hopefully will be edited out. Impossible. (laughs) All right. Let me give you the numbers on Lightyear one one last time. Domestic box office, okay? Domestic box office sales were $118 million. Let's just round that to $120. $120 million domestic box office. International box office, $100 million, which is because many countries didn't necessarily feel the need to have a LGBTQIA plus film showed in their country towards children. So their worldwide box office score was 218. We'll call it 220. $220 million. Wow, that's a lot of money. Sure is. What would you do with $220 million? Not invest it in light year. So <laughs> that's for sure. <clears throat> Can I buy Canada for that much? It's probably about that much, right? I don't know. It's like a dollar for every... 
quarter person. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I got nothing. You really didn't. It's midnight. I, I, so the other movie <laughs> we'll compare it to, it fit, again, fifth movie in the series, a CGI animated family movie, is Minions The Rise of Gru. So keep those numbers in your head. 120 million domestic, that's in America. 100 million international, that's in the rest of the world, for a total of 220. All right. Here's what Minions did. Domestic box office, $360 million. That would be a 300% increase over light year. Uh, things Minions did not focus on, Minions Rise of Gru, was diversity, inclusion, and equity. They well, just made a yellow. <laughs> they just made a family movie. <laughs> they just, uh, just made a family animated movie. It was entertaining for families, and they didn't shove any politics down anybody's throat. And it did three times the domestic box office sales. But here's the real kicker. You ready for this? Internationally, because it was a movie that most countries didn't feel felt they could show it to any of their children, it did $532 million for a total of $893 million. Uh, that's to the $220 million. <laughs> oh that's 400% more than Lightyear did. Additionally, just on opening weekend alone, Lightyear, one of the most anticipated animated movies in several years, did $50 million. $50 million opening weekend. Minions Rise of Gru opening weekend did $107 million. That's over double, over double on opening weekend. When did, when did Rise of Minions come out? Do you know when it launched? Uh, I can give you dates if you give me but a moment. Does it tell you? I almost assuredly it will tell me. So I have uh, July. Oh, July. I have July first for Minions: Rise of Gru as the opening weekend, of which the the gross sales were one hundred and seven million. For Lightyear, I have June seventeenth. So literally only two weeks apart. So two weeks apart, um, and it was it was uh, just amazingly. It's I, <laughs> ironically, June seventeenth. It was not even the number one movie in the box office. Do you know what the number one movie in the box office was? No. It was a movie that had been out for several weeks already. It was. I mean, I, I know. I was saying no in anticipation oh, for the crowd. A movie that had been out for several weeks already. It was Top Gun Maverick. Three weeks out, I believe. Uh, June seventeenth, the anticipated movie release for animated titles is a great. It's a great weekend to release an animated movie for families because it's Father's Day weekend, and fathers are like, "Hey, let's go to the movies, watch a family movie." Guess what they didn't go to see? Lightyear. That's right. Guess what they did go to see? Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> That's correct. They were the second place movie finishing behind a movie that had already been out for three weeks. Hilarious. That is, that is priceless. Here's here's the thing. We have cold hard data on this. Cold hard data. Now, when you have data for marketing, oh, it's so fabulous. It's like it's so good because it allows you to be able to project what will do well and what will fail. Uh, so. If we do something like this, we go uh, Rotten Tomatoes. It's great because the great part about Rotten Rotten Tomatoes is that Rotten Tomatoes gives us critics catch up, oh. right? Right, that, that, that too. It gives us critics versus you <laughs> are know, they the rotten ones? I don't know. I actually people. don't know. Do you do you put Rotten Tomatoes catch up? I don't know. Is it like uh, croutons? Yeah, where it's like the hard rate, hey, guys. We got a whole lot of bread left over from last night. What do we do? Croutons, baby. Croutons. croutons. Baby. Pop a little garlicky garlic on there, some salt and poupère, and boom. Croutons. This isn't even a question. Make your salad better. <laughs> Get your croutons here. Is ketchup? Oh, gosh. That's what we really need to find out. So when you use something like Rotten Tomatoes, you can really compare what what critics thought to what audiences thought. Now, one of the things I had said earlier was that if, if only the terminal list had come out sooner... They would have been able to s- stop their marketing campaign. 
Um, but did you? I'm sorry. I don't want to mess up. Did you? Did you conclude? Did they use Rotten Tomatoes in ketchup? Uh, no, they don't. They okay. definitely should not. And someone <laughs> actually got charged, actually, because there's video of them throwing Rotten Tomatoes into the ketchup. Plant. Yeah. Well, I I was generally thinking that they probably shouldn't use Rotten anything in food that we can. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess what happens in Cairo, Egypt, doesn't stay in Cairo, Egypt. It makes it to got, the internet. He got slammed. <laughs> oh, anyway, no. So something like the Terminal List. Now, the Terminal List, uh, for those of you that don't know, is actually based off of a book series. Uh, it's about a, a Navy SEAL Commander James Reese. Um, it, he was <laughs> he was played by one actor, Chris Pratt, in the movie. Uh, so in the TV series, uh, on and again, this is an Amazon Prime uh, Prime video exclusively produced by Amazon. It didn't come out till July first, and it absolutely decimated all other streaming shows at the time that were exclusively streaming. It just crushed them. The numbers were ridiculous. But when you go to Rotten Tomatoes, here's what you see. An average critic score, which they call the tomato meter, an average tomato meter score of 39%. The critics really hate Terminalist. It is very uh, masculine. There's violence. It is about, it has a very a serious revenge line going the whole way through. Uh, the main character is is just dealing with a let's just say a terminal issue while simultaneously <laughs> also dealing with a list so the terminal list makes sense for the end of the title <laughs> all Did right i watched the last episode of that uh, maybe you didn't I oh can, man do i know what happens that's great spoiler alert no okay, no no that. oh my all right gosh. so the terminal list is very violent i would encourage you that if you watch it and you're squeamish do not watch it that's very simple it is very violent the average audience score is 95 percent 95%. That means... What did the critics get wrong? That means that the people that watch it, of the people that watch it, of, of all 100% of the people that watched it, that reviewed this movie, only 5% of them didn't like it. But, but yet, <laughs> 61% of the critics didn't like it. What we have here is this classic elitist problem, which someday we'll do a whole episode on, where the elites have nothing to do with people. They just, they don't know what people like anymore. They have no concept. They just get it wrong. And I think if, if they had this data, what they would have realized is that a movie that goes against all of the, um, let's, how do you say this? All of the D.I.E. Uh, sensibilities, like The Terminalist, a, a show like The Terminalist, which doesn't give two rats rear ends about what is acceptable or unacceptable according to some sort of intersectional Marxist hierarchy or victimhood Olympics did phenomenal, like really, really well. It did it have women in it? Yeah. Did it have strong women in it? Yeah. Did it have a diverse cast? Was there other ethnicity? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. But they didn't make that the selling point. They tried to make a good product and didn't sell it that way. And everybody loved it. Everybody loved it. So I think if they had this piece of data, they would have at least known that we don't care who plays what role in any particular movie. Is the story good? And are the actors the best? That will make it great. We will be so happy to watch whatever you're making if that's what you'd sought to do. But when you, when you emphasize something that has nothing to do with the correct content, then automatically we're going to question whether or not this is supposed to be a standard. Is, is this really a good product that you're giving us. Now, again, I haven't seen Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. I'm just giving you simple, general principles, just simplistic, general principles that you can apply. Hmm. So listen, listen, cinem cinematic world. I'm trying to help you. And then, but Rings of Power. Oh, no, don't look that up. Rings of Power. So get, so it's just completely inversed. Critics are at eighty four percent, and the audience score is thirty nine percent. Yeah. So, in other words, directly inversed. Sixteen percent of critics don't like Rings of Power for whatever reason. I mean, probably for the same reason that all the other people don't like it. <laughs> take sixteen and just flip it around. Sixty one percent of the audience members don't like it for whatever reason. That's that's how this works. And you know what? You know what? Most of the people like you're, you're 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 seeing titles like, oh, there's a bunch of racists online that hate that there was diversity in Rings of Power or 
conversely, there's a lot of people that really love Tolkien lore and you've gone so far away from it that they cannot recognize what they love. You picked something that was near and dear to like many, many, many people's hearts and also something that was fairly well done by Peter Jackson. And then you thought that you could do it better somehow. Like they are literally manipulating the prime video reviews so that they can try to boost the scores so that it doesn't flop as bad. But in my opinion, the damage is done. I literally, I literally fell asleep in the first episode. (laughs) Which to me tells, it tells me right off the bat, I don't care what diversity you put in the movie. If your storytelling is not good. (laughs) it, it, It was, this isn't even about diversity. It's the story was so slow. And the rest of the time, I didn't feel like I was in middle earth. So watching the screen adaptation of the Lord of the Rings by Peter Jackson, you, the music, everything lent itself to the world that was there. The characters, the people, the actors, everything. This is just like, a lot of the fans are just calling it like a fan fiction, right? Like, it's just like, um, you know, just some type of weird random thing that's not actually canon or lore or whatever. And it's just a story. But the problem is, is that the amount of money they put into Rings of Power, they really, really didn't want it to just be a story. And they're flopping. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can't do this super fast. Uh, I'm sad that I closed. Lord of the, they, they literally on their account today put, or yesterday or whatever, a couple of days ago. I don't even know what day it is anymore. Um, they like literally put in the account like, Tolkien made a diverse world with different races of things. Yeah, but but I feel like in the races of things, like the race itself was the race. The dwarves were the race. The elves were the race. Yeah, like just by making the Lord of the Rings, you made a diverse cast. Already. Right, like, like automatically. Diverse. And then and, the, the, the problem is, is now like literally the dwarf prince with an Irish accent is married to a black dwarf princess but also with an irish accent like what it just it 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 takes you away from it takes you away from the feeling of what middle earth has always been presented as and the characters and the types of people that they're modeled after like my like the thing is but that's that's the thing that's the problem that they marketed it that way and so you're 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 immediately drawn to look for the diversity. It's what you have to look for. And that was inherently their goal. The problem was, had they realized what their goal would produce in seeking to make that the goal, as opposed to making the production the goal, <laughs> it, it resulted in a product that apparently isn't as good. The, or even, see, the problem, the problem with just the production as the goal is you also have to be faithful. If you're going to try to do what they're doing, you also have to try to be faithful to the original works. I mean, you can't bastardize it and have a really well-produced thing. Like, well, you, good- you know what I mean? There's a lot of things that they had to get right here. First off, this what a risky, risky endeavor like to do to begin with. But second off, there's a lot of things that you would have to do right in order for this to really be truly a phenomenal thing. And I think, yeah, they're I think- just missing the mark on almost everything, except for maybe um, good visuals. I think we have to be honest here. Right. We have to Do you feel like I've been lying? No, I think what we need to be honest about <clears throat> is the simple fact that if anyone was going to be able to do it right, it would be Amazon because they have all the money. So they paid $250 million for the television rights to The Lord of the Rings. Now, the fir- just the first season, okay, just the first season... They were like, hey, Lightyear, can you lend us some money for this? And Lightyear's like, no, we don't have that much. (laughs) (laughs) Just the first season is costing $462 million to make. They're projecting out because they they have several seasons to go. They're projecting out a minimum of $720 million for, for projected series. That brings it to $970 million for the... That's a billion... I mean, let's be honest, $50 million at that point was amongst friends. <laughs> We're talking about 
We're talking about a billion dollars for tele for a television production. Well, a streaming service television production. That made me fall asleep in the first episode. Like if it's not like, Hey, you, you know, know what? what I didn't you know what I didn't fall asleep watching? What's that? Terminalist? The Rise of Gru. The Rise of Gru, no, I haven't yet, and I've seen it two or three times. You know what else I didn't fall asleep at? Tell me what else. The Terminalist. Yeah, Terminalist for sure. <laughs> for sure. Although, you know what? Honestly, I did sleep on the Terminalist, and that was my mistake. It was, it was fantastic. Uh, how about, did you fall asleep? Did you see Top Gun Maverick yet? No. Let me be objectively... I'm waiting for the time where I have that much consecutive minutes to sit and watch it. Here's... Oh, also, Hannah really wants to watch it. Oh, my gosh. Look at those scores. Yeah, the, the tomato meter for critics is 96%, and the, tomato, the audience score is 99%. Uh, so everybody liked the movie. Here's the reality. The tomato meter, they had to like the movie because once you started to see what the audiences were doing as soon as it came out, I mean, like you had to. Now, here's the thing. I'm just going to be objective about this. Top Gun Maverick is just a popcorn movie. It's not a great movie. Like it's a fun action movie. That's what it is. So as far as like cinema goes, is that great? No. That that's what and that's always what these critics keep harping on, but you can't they you can't look that bad. Everyone enjoyed the movie. If everybody enjoys the movie and you guys say it sucks, then everybody knows that you're just full of crud. <laughs> you're just full. You're just lying. You're lying to us all. The, we we see it. We see you. Okay. So that even when you put oh no look we all like this movie too we we just we just feel like oh please just stop it. It's another machismo macho movie about. A guy and he's flying jets and killing the enemies. Like, it, it, you don't really like this movie. Objectively, though, it's very entertaining. Uh, but I think Rise of Gru is better. <laughs> now that now that now that there's a Pinocchio ad on your screen, did you see the weird like black I, I black have, fairy thing? I've tried to avoid watching any of the. I find <laughs> this it looks black? disturbing. This looks disturbing to me. Pinocchio was a terrifying film. I enjoyed the movie at the beginning. It's got great morals in it. Don't like give in to lasciviousness and and your desires. You have to control them, or else you turn into a uh, donkey. <laughs> Yeehaw! You turn into a donkey. Whole island of boys turning into donkeys. Oh man! You're gonna try to show me a picture of this disturbing fairy. I don't want to see it. I want you to see it. No, there was such a nice fairy, a nice happy fairy in the original Pinocchio. Yeah, this one's nice and happy. I don't want to see a dark fairy. Where's the other one? Where's the guy? I mean, it does make sense. It's got a grim fairy tale kind of vibe to it. It would make sense that a scary fairy turns a wooden thing into to life. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah, we've really di- we've really digressed on this. The point here is there that there's go. a trend line. Oh, it's not a man; <laughs> it is a woman still. But it's she not, is. I mean, the the whole uh, this whole movie looks creepy. The boy looks creepy. The fairy looks creepy. The grasshopper looks creepy. Geppetto looks creepy. Doesn't that look like a man from this angle? It just looks. It looks I'm like sorry, a, it's everybody. a fairy. It looks like a fairy. It's disturbing. Every this whole movie is creepy. Why is it got? She you know sees you care. when you're sleeping. I'm moving past this. She knows when you're awake. The reality is, there's data. There's cold hard She'll data on diversity, equity, and, steal and inclusion. Your dreams. If you want to end this episode, you go right ahead. I'm done talking. <laughs> you jerk. There's real hard data that we can have that shows that these types of Marxist intersectional movies are are having are struggling to find traction. TV shows struggling to find traction because they don't actually speak towards the the tale that everyone needs. We all see ourselves in the best of movie characters. We, it's what always happens. When I watch Crimson Tide, I don't see myself as Gene Hackman. I see myself as Denzel Washington. That's the character I want to be in the movie. It, 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 this is what happens in a movie. Because they all have bits and pieces of the greatest narrative of redemption in the history of all creation. That is God's, because it's his. And in that story, he is the hero he saves. He crushes the enemy of Satan, of sin and death. He crushes them. So you get away from that, and this is what you get. You know what? You get light year box office numbers. You get you get a thirty nine percent review of your one billion dollar production Amazon. This is what happens. You should have made a couple more terminal lists, which probably cost you a bunch less money to make, and uh, you would have had a lot better time filling out your views on your Prime Video. 
That's all I got to say about that. But nobody asks us, you know? No, nobody asks us. Well, they're, they're finding out. Boy, are they. <laughs> I just loved it. I, I, watched it a, I watched it a baseball game tonight with the kids, and up pops an ad for Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. All the critics are saying it's amazing. And I look at the screen. All you've showed me is legacy media brands. I've got, I've got GQ, Inquirer, uh, USA Today. I've got all, all, I'm like, where's like Dan from down the block? What did he think of it? I, I know he's got like, le, like replicas of of Gimli's axe and Legolos's knives, and he's got he's got all of Aragorn's swords. <laughs> he really likes Lord of the Rings. What did he think of it? I don't think I don't really care what Vanity Fair thought. <laughs> Oh man. oh, man. Well, I, all of these stories highlight an incredible brokenness to our culture, which means you need to be on guard, opening your eyes, and looking. You have to be engaged. You have to be looking. We can't let horrible arguments about Christ and forgiveness go forward without giving a reasonable response for the hope that we have. We can't allow things to be indecently taught to our children from other people we must speak into and be our children's uh, parents and guardians that God has given them to us. We must indeed watch what we're watching and analyze what we're watching and know what we're watching so we can speak the gospel narrative into everything 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 which means i think dear christian you are definitely going to have to seize Seize the the faith. faith